scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is... is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, paranormal, supernatural, conspiracies, cults, or just generally eerie, weird, whatever stories it is that we want to talk about that week. But why is that, Sarah? Um, I think it's because it's our show and it's not yours. <laughs> oh, here. Oh, <laughs> Tell the people. I feel like I've said this after the end of every Guesttoberfest, but like now it feels weird not having to wait for a third person's input. It does. It feels weird. And um, the last like recording we did together was the I Seen It that we actually did together in my house. Yes. So it's also weird to go back to like, oh, right. We don't record together. (laughs) Not right now. Anyways. Thanks, Rona. Because we're trying to be safe. We are. We're trying. We're trying. Ooh, girl. Speaking of trying. Nothing is safe. We're living in some trying times. <laughs> we are, y'all, just to let you know, we are recording this on Monday, November the 2nd, which if you live in the States, honestly, even if you don't live in the States, you probably know that tomorrow is a huge day for our country because tomorrow is election day. And that's right. It's pretty stressful. It's pretty anxiety inducing. And, you know, we're just going to put it out there that this election will turn blue turn Biden yeah, and stop crossed. being as much of a laughing stock to the rest of the world. Right. I was like, I'd like to be just a little less embarrassed by my leader, um, by my country's leader. He's not yeah, leader. exactly. Not my president. Not, hashtag not my president. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, also there's been some issues with my car and that's a whole thing. And tomorrow oh. I will hopefully know what's going on with my car. And we are, there is an issue that could be covered by the extended warranty. So right now I am putting this out there into the world. The issue with my car is covered by the extended warranty. I'm getting a new transmission for free and Joe Biden is going to win in a landslide. And I the landslide is important because you know they're going to contest it. Yeah. And hopefully if he wins in a landslide, by the time this episode airs, we already know where things stand. Right. But we also could have no idea where things stand when this episode airs. Right. So. They could still be counting votes. They could still be like somebody refusing to concede wink wink nudge nudge say no more but we are hoping for a landslide and hoping that this country doesn't go into a second civil war over the same exact reason so (laughs) so 200 years later here's what's up that is real Um, scurry it honestly is so i i told you but i asked off from work on Wednesday and now I'm partially thinking I should have asked off Wednesday and Thursday like the whole week the whole week because who knows what's going to happen and my boss was like are you really that anxious about this and I wanted to be like you're not I know but Isn't like it? he's a I white know. man who owns a business so he's not there was something I said at work the other day when uh I was just encouraging everybody to go vote because for the first time in my life, the place where I work, and I've worked there for a few years, is the first time they're doing it, but for the first time ever, my job is closing early on election day so that people can go vote. And I really stress the importance of that to the people I work with in like our morning meeting on Sunday. And I was like, you know, I know most of us are pretty young. A lot of us are people of color or queer people. And, you know, I don't want to assume that we all vote the same way, but I just just want to press to you that no matter how you vote, it is so important that you vote. And it's more important to me that you vote at all than it is that you vote the way I vote. Like, obviously, I prefer that you do. But but at the same time, like, I want you to know that I want your vote is more important to me than it is like who you're voting for. That's very it's crucial. Like, stand up, make your voice be heard. So we here at Dead Time Stories uh, endorse Joe Biden 2020 for president. And we're putting it out into the world like we've done on this show so many times for these like things we have, to come true. Even though this episode comes out two days after election day. 
So, but we're recording this, like we said, on Monday, November 2nd. So we're just putting that out there into the world. My car is going to get fixed. It's totally going to be fine. Yes. And Joe Biden is going to win the presidency and we're going to get out from this horrible nightmare. Or like, I mean, we're still going to be in it. We're going to start to to make our way out. We're going to start to begin to commence to maybe potentially begin to start thinking about it. Yes. That's the American dream. (laughs) That's the American dream. That's the American way. (laughs) I'm so glad we have this podcast so we can talk about other scary things opposed from our scary, scary reality. Me too. And sometimes I wonder if there are people who listen to our show and enjoy the spookiness but aren't like... I don't know, liberal people who like just skip through the banter and try and get into They're like, we, I really love their stories, but like they're political. Sometimes they're too political. They're too political. Yeah, like, so. Whatever. It's our brand. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We usually stick to what we say on this podcast and we will not change our stance. It's true. It's true. We won't. Come fight me. That means you send me an email. So, you know, I love them. Yeah, send Sarah an angry email. We will Ooh, fucking we'll delete it. that shit up. Put it in all caps and you'll get bonus points. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I almost was like... <laughs> I love an email in all caps. Yell at me like a boomer. I love that. I love it and I wanted to laugh, but I was smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to hurt myself I was like, coughing. did she not find that funny? <laughs> I did. I did. I just didn't want to die. Yell at me like a boomer on Facebook. Defending their propaganda post. (laughs) Come at me like you think I'm fake news. (laughs) I love it. I was trying to think of another one. The only thing I came up with was come at me like you got a blowtorch and I'm a snowflake. I don't know. It's not good. It's not good. Like, can we get into it? (laughs) (laughs) Come at me like you're a Karen looking for the manager. (laughs) Oof. Hey, Sarah. Stephanie. (laughs) Hey, hey, are we, hey Leslie? It's been a whole month. I forgot about Leslie. Leslie, are you there? Are we Leslie? Are you there, Leslie? It's me, Margaret. Are you there, Leslie? It's us bedtime stories. Listeners, do you care if that's in there? Is that on brand? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Well, hey, Leslie. Whoever's there. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Sarah, are you talking about a ghost today? What are you talking about? I'm. It's not quite a ghost. No, no, no. But it's fun. It's okay, close. I'm ready for it. Yeah. It's close to a ghost. Ish. Okay. It's a ghost adjacent. <laughs> okay. Oh, I so, love adjacent. I love calling things something adjacent. Ghost adjacent. I like that. I just thought of it. I'm into it. All right. Well, this is the story of Mercy Brown, who is famously known as The Last New England Vampire. Yeah, I remember that show. It was uh, starring Candace Bergen. No, that's not. <laughs> well, I guess Haley I gotta scrap my story. Was the baby in the last season. <laughs> no, that's Murphy Brown. I apologize. This is Mercy Brown. What Mercy that Brown. show gotcha. was very, very, very loosely based on. All right, so this is Mercy Brown, The Last New England Vampire. Uh, The year is 1892 in Exeter, Rhode Island. At the time, consumption was rampant, and it was also the leading... That was tuberculosis, right? It's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, I'm just just clarifying for the listeners. (laughs) Yes. Consumption equals tuberculosis. They used to also call it something else. The Roses. Oh, that? Why was I thinking yes, another one? Because they would cough into their handkerchiefs. Oh, and, and have blood. And it would be the blood. And sometimes they would have a handkerchief. If you knew you had consumption, you would have a handkerchief that had some embroidered roses on it so that people wouldn't notice your blood cough so much on your handkerchief. <laughs> also, when I was playing um, Judy Bay Best, she died of consumption. Mm. I just that think, feel like I told people. consumption... Is just a better word than tuberculosis. And the other, the segue would be that I wrote this song because I thought that I was just sick with love, but actually I had consumption and that was how I died. Hit it. Never know how much I love you. And it was fever by Maggie Oh, God. (laughs) 
<laughs> you give me so. fever and a bloody cough. Ooh, fever. <laughs> fever all through the night. I died of fever. <laughs> fever. So, yeah, consumption, tuberculosis uh, was rampant and the leading cause of death in the U.S. in the late 1800s. There was no cure or reliable treatment, and people with active tuberculosis had an 80% chance of dying from the illness. So the odds were not in your favor. That's bad. Bad. (laughs) And all that they told you to do to fix it was they were like, I don't know, sleep, eat healthy foods, and like go hang outside in the sun. Carry around a handkerchief because you're going to cough up some blood. You're going to cough up a lot of blood. Sometimes it's frothy. Just, you know, go with it. Brush your teeth. Frothy. <laughs> I just, yeah, I I find it so interesting that they're like, we don't know what to do. Just, like, get some fresh air, eat and sleep. That's all we got for you, bud. Maybe you're in that 20% that doesn't die. Okay, bye. So, a lot of people were definitely dying from this. And a lot of families uh, were suffering because tuberculosis likes to spread in close quarters. So, whenever you had a family, kind of like Rona, it was going to make its way through most of Absolutely. your household. Just like Roma. So we're talking about the family of George and Mary Brown. They were hit especially hard by the disease. Mary, the mother, was the first to die from it in 1884, and she was followed by her eldest daughter, Mary Olive, in 1886. And in 1891, the remaining children, Mercy and Edwin Brown, contracted the disease. Edwin sought treatment in the rarefied air and mineral waters of Colorado Springs, Colorado, while Mercy stayed and fought the sickness at home. However, that clean air and mineral water didn't do the trick for Edwin, and he returned home to Rhode Island in March of 1892. And while he he hadn't been cured, he had definitely fared better than his sister Mercy, who had died in January of 1892 at the age of 19. So George Brown is feeling really helpless as his entire family is suddenly taken from him by the disease. And now his last son has it and can't find a cure. And he's watching him waste away right in front of his eyes. Yeah. And that's when the people of the town came up to him and they were like, you know what? We have an explanation for you. Here's what it is. Vampires. (laughs) Duh. Duh! I don't know what the doctor's been telling you, but this is a crystal clear case of vampires. This is a textbook case. Textbook vampires. vampires. They pull out a few pieces of paper. Look, the textbook says it's got one word on it: vampire. Vampires. They're like, look, this is a straight textbook, and they just pull out Bram Stoker's Dracula. They're like, textbook case of vampire. Vampire, right here, (laughs) Rhode Island. Vamp, and sometimes they call it vampire, but um. Here we call a vampire, and that's what happened. Somebody got a case of the vampirism, all right? And they just run it all through the town. <laughs> you might, you might have a vampire. Be a vampire. <laughs> Do you find yourself sleeping during the day and active at night? You might be a vampire. You might be a vampire. Do you find yourself waking up to suck the blood out of loved ones? You might Not be a vampire. vampire. Are you Italian? But you cannot stand smell garlic. You might be a vampire. You might be a vampire. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll also know that we made it when Jeff Foxworthy sues us. So. When Jeff Foxworthy sends us a cease and desist to stop, <laughs> you might be a. That's how we made it, y'all. That's how we know we made it. So residents turned to superstition to explain the Brown family's misfortune. They believed that when members of the same family waste away from consumption, it might be because one of the deceased is draining the life force from the living relatives. Of course. That's what, it, that is what makes the most sense, if you ask me. I mean, absolutely. The doctors don't have a cure. This whole family's hit by it. One of them who died is sucking the life out of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So at first, George was like, nah, y'all are crazy. That's the weirdest shit I ever heard. But... Then his son kept dying, and he was like, well, I have, might as well check it out. Might as well see if there's any, anything to this. I have no other options. And so he agreed to have the bodies of his late wife and his two daughters exhumed. 
Jesus. Here we go. I know, right? He's like, sure. You know what? Dig him up. Go for it. In March 17th, 1892, the bodies of Mary Brown and Mary Olive Brown were exhumed. When their caskets were opened, as expected, they only contained the bones of the women. Lastly, they exhumed the body of Mercy Brown, who had died just nine weeks earlier. When the lid was lifted off of her coffin, her body was found lying on its side with very little decomposition. Her face appeared to still be flush, and there was blood in her heart, liver, and veins. So they think she was buried alive? No, the doctor at the scene was like, y'all, hold on. Don't jump to conclusions. She was buried in January in Rhode Island. This is normal decomposition. There's also, it's not totally clear on whether she was buried in January or if she was being held in a, um, what's it called? Not a mausoleum, but like a, an, an above ground tomb until the okay. ground could thaw so that she could be buried. Either way, it makes total sense that she had like no decomposition and there was sure, still blood yeah, in her body. Sure, yeah, because it would have been fucking cold. But the townspeople were like, that's a vampire! She's a witch! <laughs> She's a witch! Right. She's a vampire! They were like, that's it. There's our proof. Get out of here, doctor. You obviously don't know jack shit. You can't even cure tuberculosis. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote down the townspeople were like, you can't even cure consumption. We're not listening to you. There's blood in her heart. She's a vampire. Case closed. So then the only logical thing you can do in that situation is they cut out her heart and her liver and they burned them and then they reburied her. And then they took the ashes from her burned heart and her liver, and they walked it on over to Edwin Brown's house. They mixed it in with some water, and they fed it to him as a magical elixir. Oh, jeez. And he drank it. He did. And he died two months later. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Not laughing at his death. Oh, I mean, like, no. but it didn't save him. <laughs> oh, no. So either she wasn't a vampire, like everyone thought, or they used the wrong spell. I don't know. <laughs> you decide. You decide. <laughs> now, this story is not the first time that the folk remedy of burning the organs of the dead and making the ashes into an elixir had been tried in Rhode Island. There are over 18 documented instances of the exhumation of family members in suspected vampire cases in New England. But Mercy Brown's what? case would be the last, which okay. is where she got the name, the last vampire of New England. I like that because they were like, guys, we're going to stop. We doing really this. need to stop this. this we really we've tried this 18 times. It has never, ever worked. They this always is not, just die two months later. <laughs> this is not a good use of taxpayer money to keep digging these people up. It's not a good use of our time. It's a little traumatizing to the relatives who still live. Like, let's, could we not? Good Lord. So, yeah, there was an entire, when I was researching this, I didn't know this, but there was an entire vampire craze in, like, the early to, like, all of the 1800s, a little bit of the late 1700s, which is not too long off the heels of the witch scare. So Yeah, right. People went from witches to vampires to Republicans. It's real scary. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the story of Mercy Brown, the last vampire of New England. And her tombstone is still in Rhode Island. You can go and visit it today. It is in the, um, how do I pronounce the name of the city? It is in the Exeter, like, Baptist Church Cemetery. Okay. So, there it is. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Seventy. what good. are you talking about this week? That was fun. Okay, Sarah, I'm going to ask you, what do you I didn't know do about... It. No. <laughs> what do you know about Nexium? <laughs> what? Is that a drug? See, I hadn't heard about it either, and it blows my mind because it is so up our fucking alley is it are a cult? you ready for this what is it no i don't think i'm ready it's a cult 
It's an MLM. <gasps> That's where I know it. Stop. There's a sex ring. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it hits all of the big check. It hits check all marks. the things. And it's making big news right now because it just came to like, I don't want to say like a conclusion, but like everything that like we've been waiting for. And I say we, I mean the people who were paying attention to it well before me. <laughs> Because the trial and sentencing just concluded for the leader of Nexium. Oof, I'm ready. Let me take a sip of my wine. Let's go. Take a sip, girl. So the more I was reading about it and hearing about it, the more I realized it's kind of been on my periphery. Like, I've seen things about it, but I didn't really understand what it was. And I know I've definitely heard Christina talking about it. Because it's totally up our alley, right? And yeah. what brought it to my attention, I have to give a total shout out to, is Zach Simcoe. Because Zach Simcoe was like, oh my gosh, like, did you hear they, they sentenced Keith Raniere? And I was like, I don't know who that is. He was like, have you been following Nexium?" And I was like, no. And he's like, oh my gosh. And then he told me a little bit about it. And he was like, you, and he mentioned all these things where I was just like, how have I not heard about this? Like, I need to look into everything about this that I possibly can. Um, so shout out to Zach Simcoe because you are about to go on a wild ride. Oh, thank you, Zach, for everything and for this. Let's go. For everything. I'm, I'm buckled and, in. And also this. I had a safety attendant come by and check and make sure that like everything is set. Like they did the extra push on the bar. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to dive right in. I'll go ahead and start by saying there's a lot of information. There's a lot to unpack here. So there's even more than I could possibly try and tell you about in the time that I have. And okay. I definitely recommend looking into it. There's a documentary series that I haven't even watched yet, but Christina has watched it. Um, and that's next on my goal to learn more about what's happening. But there's a podcast called Uncover from CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Company. And the first season is called Escaping Nexium, where they interview um, this woman, Sarah. I want to make sure I get her name right. Sarah Edmondson. That's what I thought it was, but I just wanted to confirm. So they, uh, the person who is hosting the show, the journalist who's hosting this podcast, he grew up with this woman, Sarah Edmondson, who has, who was like a high ranking official in Nexium, who has since come out to like speak out against it. Right. But they okay. like grew up together and he like ran into her in their hometown at a farmer's market. And he's like, Oh, Hey Sarah, like I haven't seen you in a long time. What have you been up to? And she's like, well, well I just, I just escaped cult. a cult that I was in for 12 years. <laughs> oh and he was like, well, you need to sit down with me and talk about it. <laughs> The more I was reading about Nexium, because I was just kind of like, what even is Nexium, right? And the more I read about it, it really sounded to me a lot like Scientology, but instead of being a religion, it's a multi-level marketing company. <laughs> so it starts with the same kind of thing, right? Where it starts with self-help classes, where people pay these really high fees, right? Mostly rich white people pay for these classes, but not exclusively, just mostly. Yeah, They sure, pay for sure, these sure. classes, and the first couple of classes really help them and really work for them. So they start putting in more money and investing more in the in the company and they get until they get further and further along. And they've invested so much time and so much money that they feel really like they feel like in it. You know what it. I mean? Yeah. Like they're committed to it. They're in it for life. They're down with the cult. They're down with the cult. <laughs> so uh, the cult is founded by this guy. His name is Keith Rainieri. And it was founded in 1998 as kind of as a, as a personal development company, like for executives. So people like pay for these personal development classes and it helps them like be better at running their business, be more confident, be more successful. And that's kind of what it's about. Right. So. Like, that's the premise that what Nexium is about. Sure. So sure, Keith sure. Rainieri is the main guy. There are a lot of names that I might mention, and some of the people I still mix up <laughs> because he dealt with a lot of families. So um, there are the Bronfmans. So there's Sarah Bronfman and Claire Bronfman, and they're sisters. But their grandfather had initially, like, invested in Nexium, but then later was like, I, and their grandfather's like a billionaire. Uh, they own Seagram's, 
which Seagram's, you know, like Seagram's uh, ginger ale and like Seagram's yeah. like gin, like the alcohol mm-hmm. Seagram's. So it's the family that owns Seagram's. So this is how the same way Scientology keeps going, because the people who are like really into it are people who have almost endless resources when it comes to money. Right. Mm-hmm. So he had initially invested some money in it, but then um, his daughter and his uh, and or sorry, his two daughters, Sarah Bronfman and Claire Bronfman, like they are still in it and still putting tons of their money in, even after Edgar was like, yo, like this is a call, I'm out, but his daughters are still in there. And then there's also the Saltzmans. So Nancy Saltzman is who kind of founded it with Keith Rainieri, and then her daughter is uh, Lauren Saltzman, who was a key player with Sarah Edgerton, the girl who ended up, or the woman, she's not a girl, the woman who, like, came out to, like, speak out against it and brought a lot of attention to it. So Sarah was brought in by Lauren Saltzman, and they were, like, best friends, and, (laughs) like, Lauren was her, like, maid of honor at her wedding. Like, they were, like, really, really into it. And so Sarah got pretty high in... Uh, Nexium, where like she was teaching a lot of classes and she was bringing lots of people in. There were some, I use the quote, the word celebrities in quotes, um, because there are people who are like, I mean, they're more famous than I am, but people who I had no goddamn idea who they but were. Yeah, you're like, are they a celebrity? I don't so know. the biggest one that you hear about a lot is Allison Mack, who was an actress on Smallville. And I remember seeing headlines about her. Oh, you, yeah. Right? I remember seeing headlines about her and some sex and call. Sex and ring, I was yeah. like, what? Okay, I don't know who she is or what that is, but whatever. That's this. That's wow. next. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Right? Where you're like, okay, I'm piecing together all of these things. Yeah. So initially, like I said, it was founded by Keith Raniere. And Keith Raniere is a character in and of himself. Um, he is, I believe, in his 60s at this point. He is, oh, he's 60 years old. So he had told everybody, and I don't know that this is, this is stuff that's corroborated. Like, it's, it's kind of true, but it's still like, okay, whatever. So he was telling people that he was a genius, right? That he had this, like, this IQ of, like, 260 And that he took this IQ test when he was, like, 13, and this is true, it was printed in the Guinness Book of World Records that he was, like, one of the smartest people alive, okay? That happened when he was, like, 13, and from my understanding, went immediately to his fucking head, and he's been a fucking psychopath ever since. Sounds like he peaked too early. Right. We'll push that aside a little bit. But um, so his mother passed away a few years ago. But one of the things that like one of his one of the women in his life had said about his mother um, was that his mother heard him on the phone one time, like as a teenager, like telling these telling multiple girls, but all of them separately, like, oh, you're really special. You're really important to me. Like, I really care about you. Like, you're the only person for me. But that he was doing this, like, lots of girls. So very early on, he, like, after hearing that he was, like, special and smart, began to use that to manipulate people. So he definitely is very smart, but he's also, like, really crooked and manipulative and like he uses like he uses his intelligence to take advantage of people. Ugh, the worst kind. Right. So, continuing on, he always kind of had a thing about like seeing multiple women, so like even when he was younger, right? So, People um, in their classes, people who took, who were part of Nexium, who took all these courses, um, they would refer to Keith Rainieri as Vanguard. That was his nickname. Not nickname. That was like his title. And um, Nancy Saltzman, who was like the second in command, she was prefect. So they always would refer to them as, as Vanguard and prefect, respectively. So the idea was that, like, he was the teacher, he was the master, and she was, like, the head student, but that everybody else was, like, a student in Nexium. You're always taking classes to better yourself, to learn how to conquer your goals, to, like, learn how to change the world, right? So Sarah Edmonton, as she got further and further up, right, in the program, 
Um, and she was in it, like I said, for 12 years. So wow. these incidences that started to happen, I want to say it was around like, I'm trying to think of when her incidents happened and when she left versus like when she went public and things started to like be known, right? Mm-hmm. Because the first case went up against him in 2018. And before that, there were, because when I was listening to all this information, right, I'm so late in the fact. So all the yeah. stuff I was listening to was like, Telling you, like, no charges had been brought up against Keith at this point in time when I was listening to all this stuff. But I was like, I know he's been charged. So, like, like, what's going on? Where is he in this? So this is what took Sarah out of the cult. This is, um, it was a few weeks after this specific incident. So her friend Lauren, they've been friends for, like, a decade. They're best friends. She was maid of honor at her wedding, right? Mm -hmm. And one day Lauren, like, says to her... I want to invite you to be a part of something that's really special. That's like, that's within Nexium. There's a secret private women's group. It's just oh, for women. that's the sex cult. That's the sex club. <laughs> it, she's like, it's going to sound kind of weird. <laughs> right? <laughs> but she's like, it's, it's just for women. And it's this private, like, it's like the... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like the Masons, but for women oh, within Nexium. Right? And it's only for women. And it's called DOS. And she's like, well, what's DOS, right? So DOS is... DOS is a sex club. DOS is Dominus Obsequious Sororium. Okay? And she told her it's like, you know, like a secret sisterhood. Okay? But roughly, it's a... Latin, Latin, it's a translation that means, um, like, master over submissive women. Okay? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. So she's like, okay. she's like, I want you to be in DOS with me. And the thing with DOS is like, you have a special relationship and you have masters and slaves. And she's like, ah, I'll tell you Wait. right now, that's not my thing. And Lauren's like, I know it's, I know it sounds crazy. Like, I, but just listen, like, it's really, it's like a sisterhood and we all like help each other and take care of each other. And we all do these like works of good, but we're like anonymous. So we're like helping women and we're helping people. And like, I really want you to be in it. And Sarah, like, you know, talking about this after the fact, right? At the yeah. time, she was just like, Lauren was my best friend. Yeah. And Lauren is very hot. Like, she, you try, like, I trusted her. She was like a sister to me. And she was a very busy woman. And she was telling me, like, I want to take you under my wing. I want to make time for you. And you're special to me. I want to bring you into this. And with that in mind, Sarah was kind of like, yeah, I want to know more. Like, bring me in. What's DOS? What's this like? Okay. So she was like, okay, well, we're going to have a ceremony and you're going to like you're going to meet your sisters that are that are the other basically the other slaves under Lauren because Lauren's going to be the master and they're each and the master has slaves and then each slave eventually becomes a master of other slaves. So you get 10 of your friends to be your slaves. Because it's an MLM, (laughs) which Nexium was already an MLM. You sell these self-help classes and you try to recruit people to also sell these self-help classes and you make a commission off of what the people you recruit make. It is also an MLM. It's an MLM within an MLM. Yes. (laughs) But the inner MLM also has sex. So we're getting to that. Okay. So Sarah is like, okay, well, we're going to do this secret ceremony. So listening to her talk about this ceremony was like, it was tough. So I'm going to tell you about it, right? So she said that she and uh, she was taken to this house and she was blindfolded and she was asked to get naked, right? No. And, uh... Right. So she's like, don't worry, there's not going to be anybody in here. It's just like, it's just going to be women. It's just us, Right. There's, like, nothing sexual is going to happen. And one of the things about Nexium that's, oh, my gosh. They really, and the people in it at the time don't think about it, of course. There are all these really, like, there's these heavy undertones of misogyny within Nexium already, right? So the women are taught, like, 
the there are these differences between men and women, right? And women are like really indecisive and have a hard time committing to stuff and they always back out of stuff. And then that's used against them when they say they don't want to do something, right? So when she's like, I'm not sure if I want to do this. I'm not sure if I want to join DOS. I'm not sure if I want to go into this. Lauren would be like, see, but isn't that just like you? Like you're, you always, it's because it's getting hard. And now that it's getting hard, you want to back out. And isn't that what your problem is? Don't you always back out of stuff? Don't you want to stick it out and like show your commitment to this? And that is always how she would get sucked back in, right? And she's like, you're so right. I'm such, I always quit everything I ever do. And I'm committed. I'm committed to Nexium. I'm committed to this. I'm doing this, right? It's really manipulative. I don't like it. Yeah. So moving into the ceremony of of getting into DOS. So she was told to put her clothes back on. And she's thinking, like, she's realizing that this is happening with all the other women in all the other rooms, right? They're led to a vehicle. They all get in the vehicle together. It drives around a little bit to try and disorient them and gets them to where they're going. And when she gets there, she's like, you know, I was told not to peek, but of course I like peeks a little bit. And she said she could tell that she was at Allison Mack's house because she knew who Allison Mack was within the organization. Everybody knew Allison Mack, um, who's the actress from Smallville. Sure, yes. So she said she knew that she was there, right? So she got led up to a room. And all of the women were told to undress and take their blindfolds off. And there was all other women in there. And there was a doctor. And they were told that for DOS, they were all going to be marked. Okay? What? Mm-hmm. That they were all going to get a permanent mark on their body. It was going to be done by a doctor. So everything was going to be safe and okay. But this was the initiation process to get into DOS. And there was a symbol that they were supposed to have branded into their flesh and when I say branded me and Sarah me and Christina talked about this we were thinking like hot stencil press it in your skin like that already sounds horrible the doctor used a cauterizing pen so it's basically a pen that has a laser that's used to like cauterize wounds and it's like a dot at a time and she was drawing this symbol on their flesh with a cauterizing pen yeah How big is the symbol? The symbol? So that was the thing was when Sarah finally saw it, like she had been told like, oh, it's like the size of a dime. Like it's really small. And I would say it's probably like the size of a 50 cent piece. Like what? it's pretty big. Do you know what I'm talking about? They yes. don't really make those anymore. Yeah, but, but like I know those, what you're it's about. bigger than yeah. a quarter, like a big old fifty cent piece. And then it has to be done somewhere on their pelvis where they can cover it with like their bathing suit. Okay. Mm. And Sarah said that like she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. And Lauren was like, "You are so strong, and like you, I know that you want this." And you have to show these other girls, like, that you're, because you're so high up, you have to be an example for these women. Like, you have to show them how tough you are and show them how committed you are. That is so fucked. It's so fucked. And she said, like, the first person who got it done, because she was the last person to go. She wasn't the first person. The first person to go, like, the second it touched her skin, like, she let out this yelp. Like, the pain was so excruciating. Yeah. And they could smell it. They could smell the burned skin. Why didn't they just get a tattoo artist like a normal cult? And they would all they would all hold the person down so that they oh. wouldn't jerk too much while they were being branded. Oh. And that Sarah went last. And that Lauren was like, you can do this. Like, you're so strong. You're so tough. And that, like, she was kind of, like, petting her hair, and she was reading her, like, not scripture, but Mm -hmm. kind of scripture, like, from Nexium. And that she, you know, she was like, I've given birth, like, I've had a baby, and, like, I've never known pain like this. And she said that the whole time she, hers was the fastest because she was able to sit still because she was just doing, like, meditative breathing and she was doing like yoga and in her head she was in that headspace of like mm-hmm. I'm in a calm place I'm safe I'm surrounded by people I love and like that and that she was just like crying but sitting completely still while they 
put this symbol on her. And they told her this symbol was like, this line represents the sky and this is the mountains meeting the sky. This is a river coming down. And she's like, okay, whatever. And she's like, I hate this. I don't have any tattoos because I didn't ever want to mark yeah. my body. And now I have this scar for the rest of my life. Ugh. And she already hated it. But the final straw for Sarah was when someone pointed out to her that the symbol looked like the initials KR for <gasps> Keith Raniere. It looked like they were all being branded with Keith's initials. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Is that and what it Keith, looks like? Um, after I looked it? at it, oh, I can totally see that. Where like this, so remember I said there's the horizon like the, yeah. and there's the mountain. That's the K. <gasps> there's a river and that's like the R. And it looks like a K and an, a K and an R, but from another angle, it can look like an A and an M. For Allison Mack. Oh who was my God. Who was one like of the head, head members of DOS. Right? So, upon realizing that she had been branded with the initials of the leader of her cult, she kind of had this big awakening. This yeah. is a fucking cult. That was her like light bulb on moment. Yes. Jeez. Now, um, she was kind of like she was a whistleblower. Like she came forward and was talking about what happened. Um, and then other women started to come forward. And though she had never experienced any sexual interaction with Keith, many women in DOS had under the idea that like he was somehow giving them some kind of enlightenment. Yeah, that's or, what they like, always do. Right. That being with him was somehow like healing or some sort of like personal development experience, I guess. And then she said that she started to realize like she knew that she had never had that contact with him, but that he had tried like because it always started with these like, oh, Keith was really impressed when you did such and such. He wants to have you up for like, the weekend, he wants to have you up for it. And she said she just never took him up on it. Not because she didn't want to, but she was married. She had she two kids. Like, she didn't really time. have the time, but she was very flattered. But then she started to realize, like, those were the times that Keith was trying to invite her to move into possibly oh. a more sexual relationship. And those stories are bad enough, but there are women who were held as sex slaves who... Um, so Lauren Saltzman, her best friend, had a slave kept in her house for two years. What? How? Who? How? Her name was Daniela, and she, I'm trying to think of when they took her in, because she was young. He had sex with women as young as, uh, with girls, as young as 15, <gasps> um, through through DOS, through Nexium, because yeah. they were slaves, right? And they were doing this as part of being in DOS, as part of being in Nexium, like as part of personal development. They're going to grow. They're going to learn from being with Keith, right? And some of these women were just straight up held against their will. Like the woman who was held captive for two years. Like she didn't want to fucking be there. How um, did they hold but, her? Do you know those details? I don't know a ton of those details because some of those I started to be like, okay, like, I don't really want to get into this. this I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but some of it is tough. Like, that one was one of the worst ones. But they said that she would, like, she was locked in a room, basically, and that she would fantasize about, like, days when she used to go to Walmart. Like, she would just sit and lean against the wall and be like, remember when I could, like, go outside and, like, see oh. the world? Like, that was cool. Like, that was how she would, like, keep herself happy, was, like, reminiscing about just normal times yeah. and days. Oh and I was gosh. like, gosh, that's fucking horrible. Um, so, since all that happened, um, Keith Raniere, before he was brought to trial, a bunch of people were brought to trial, including Allison Mack. <laughs> Um, so here are some key points. So all of these, um, these women that are like high up, I want to say like the, um, both the Saltzman, so Nancy Saltzman, Laura Saltzman, I think the Bronfmans, um, and, uh, Allison Mack, um, all of these other women have at this point pled guilty. 
So co-founder Nancy Saltzman, here's some some extra things, right? She admitted in court that she had tracked and monitored women with Nexium. Nancy Saltzman, who was the first person involved in the case to plead guilty to her single charge of racketeering conspiracy, tearfully confessed in court on, Mon- on March 13th that she tracked and monitored the usernames and passwords of suspected moles within the group to ensure that they weren't leaking details about the group's inner workings. She also admitted that she ordered others to destroy video tapes that documented Rainier's teachings. I want you to know that I'm pleading guilty because I am in fact guilty, she said through sobs. I accept that some of the things I did were not just wrong, but also criminal. Prosecutors believe that founder Keith Rainieri had sex with a 15-year-old girl who later became his first slave. (gasps) At a Brooklyn courthouse on March 14th, Rainieri, who was already facing forced labor, wire fraud conspiracy, human trafficking, and sex trafficking charges, was hit with additional charges of child pornography. According to prosecutors, Rainieri documented himself engaging in sexual sexual conduct with a 15-year-old girl who would become his first slave. While these charges were thrown out early in April. On May 7th, prosecutors announced that they intended to show explicit photos of the girl in Rainieri's bed during the trial. Prosecutors also accused Rainieri of having a sexual relationship with at least one other child and of possessing pornography, uh, child pornography between 2005 and 2018. Nancy Saltzman's daughter, Lauren, admitted to keeping a woman as a slave. On April 2nd, Lauren Saltzman pleaded guilty to one count of racketeering conspiracy, revealing that she had knowingly and intentionally harbored an unnamed woman in a locked room from March 2010 to April 2012. When the woman did not... When the woman did not complete requested labor, Saltzman confessed that she threatened to deport her back to Mexico because she was an illegal immigrant. Wow. Saltzman also admitted to being a member of DOS, the internal sorority within Nexium, which prosecutors say was a master slave sex ring. The group also allegedly, which they did, I've seen the pictures, branded women with Rainieri's initials. Allison Mack uh, took full responsibility for her involvement in Nexium and notably DOS. The highest profile person involved in the case, Smallville actress Allison Mack, pleaded guilty on April 8th to one count of racketeering conspiracy and one count of racketeering. Seagram's heiress Claire Bromfman admitted to harboring an undocumented individual and helping Rainieri use a deceased woman's credit card. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So at this point, all of these women have pleaded guilty. Now, Keith Rainieri has been found guilty, and he was recently sentenced to 120 years in prison. Good. Fuck that guy. Keith Rainieri is a piece of shit. But it was a fucking cult and an MLM all in one. That's insane. Yes. And I can't believe I hadn't fucking heard of it. And the other... No, I can't believe that either. And there are two actresses from Battlestar Galactica that were also involved, but I haven't yet figured out how deeply they were involved. (gasps) But one of them left Battlestar Galactica to go get deeper into Nexium. And I remember when she died on BSG because I was a big BSG person. And her character sucked anyway. But (laughs) I remember when she died and I'm like, oh, she asked to be written out of the show so that she could dive deeper into Nexium. Jeez. Well, number one, she's an idiot. Number two, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's Nexium. So when is Netflix <laughs> going to make their docu-series about this? So it's funny you asked about Netflix because HBO has a series called The Vow. Uh, and the first scene is, season is already out. I haven't watched it yet. But they're in production for a second season. And Stars also recently re- released a show called Seduced. And it's about Nexium. it's about Nexium. Yes. Wow. So that's Nexium, and it's spelled, it's all caps, N-X-I-V-M. Stupid. But pronounced Nexium. Nexium. Yeah, man. So, oh my gosh. It's fucking crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. And I can't believe I hadn't, I cannot believe I had not heard about this. That we haven't heard of it. So thank you, Zach Simcoe, for bringing this to my attention. Definitely. Thank you, Zach. It's also crazy to me when I hear about these groups that do this like present day. I'm like, oh, yeah. still, still, this shit is still going on. This shit is still happening. Yeah. Oof. Man. All right. 
Well, yeah. thank you. I'm glad that I'm glad in like your story, the bad guy got his comeuppance. Me too. I'm very glad that I came into it at a point where Keith Raniere had already been sentenced because I'm like, good. I already know he fucking yeah got what he fucking deserved. And we didn't have to be like, this guy fucking sucks, but he's still out there and he hasn't had to answer for anything that he did. Right. But the other thing is, it's really, it's crazy that it's this far along and that neither of us had heard about it because I was like, I'm going to tell Sarah I'm going to talk about it and she's going to be like, it was on my list. But no, you hadn't heard about it either. And that's wild. I know. Because it's huge, apparently. We're big MLM followers, too. Like, I follow the whole subreddit anti-MLM. Right? We're both into, like, anti-MLM, anti-cult. Like, we're both fascinated by these things. And I can't believe we didn't know about this. We had no idea. Well. But now we do. And so do you, listener. So the podcast I listen to is called Uncover. And it's the first season. There's, like, seven seasons. But the first one is Escaping Nexium. And then HBO has The Vow which I haven't watched yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what I'm watching now that I've finished the podcast and read all this other stuff. Now I want to watch the documentary. Nice. Well, go check it out. Check it out, yeah. So that's Nexium, and don't join an MLM, period. Because they're usually a cult. Because they usually, but they all usually are a cult. Not necessarily on this level. I don't know if, like, the leader of Young Living has a sex cult, but... I but mean, I mean, it basically, young living MLM, is a cult, which is, yeah. which is still predatory. Predatory, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, stay away from MLMs, folks. Yeah, that's the lesson that I picked up from today. Done. Well, we already knew that lesson. <laughs> we did, but you know, just putting that out there—that's the moral of the story, I guess. Moral of the story: Don't dig up your loved ones as vampires, and don't join an MLM. So Thanks for tuning into Dead Time Stories. <laughs> hopefully the election went a certain kind of way. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll still be in the thick of it, I'm sure, when this episode comes out. Because people we'll are going to do some shit. But fingers crossed. Let's hope that this goes well. If you want to continue to support our show, which you should do, you can do that by subscribing to our Patreon. We have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. We just released. Do you know when you join Patreon if you have access to the stuff that was posted before? Yes. Great. So if you join now, we posted a really special Halloween treat. It doesn't matter which level you subscribe at. You can watch our Dead Silence reaction video on Patreon. It's pretty good. It's so much fun. It really is. It's a lot of fun. But we have tiers low as $1. You get access to our Patreon page, which is a really, really good time. $5 a month gets you I Saint It, where I describe a horror movie to Sarah that she's never seen. $15 a month gets you a celebrity ghost fart, and you get access to me, myself, and YouTube, which is a series that Christina does for us, and it's just for our Patreon subscribers. And that's super awesome. You can buy merch from our website, Deadtime Stories with a Z, all one word, dot com. And of course, you can still support the show even if you can't do that financially, because the best way that you can put your non-money where your mouth is is to give us a five dollar, five dollar, a five star review on iTunes. And a five dollar friends and five dollar review. Uh, tell your friends to leave a five star review. And, of course, you can just email us at deadtimestories at gmail.com because we love that, too. We do. Right? Yep. I think that's all the things. That's everything we got this week. Y'all hang in there. Practice self-care. Take a bubble Meditate. bath. Meditate. <laughs> do a face mask. Practice mindfulness. Start this care, show take, back at the beginning. Care. Get a house plant. Like, do things for yourself. Listen to this show from the very beginning all over from again. the very beginning. All over again. Just all start from the beginning again. again. I love that. That's Done. a good suggestion. <laughs> but uh, with all that being said, I think we're wrapping it up. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this has, has been... been Dead, Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, y'all. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 